Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 30, Setting Boundaries with the Tao. Those who use truth in assisting the ruler do not resort to war for the conquest of an empire. War is a most calamitous evil. Wherever armies are quartered, briars and thorns become rampant. Famines inevitably follow in the wake of great wars. The good rulers are satisfied when an attack is stopped, and they do not venture to pursue conquest for supremacy. Victories do not make them vainglorious, aggressive, arrogant, or anxious to pursue conquest for supremacy. It is contrary to truth for the strong to do harm to the weak. Those who act contrary to truth are sure to perish early. That's verse 30 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Ching Lin. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. So the first part talks about use of force creating scarcity, and the second part talks about minimizing scarcity to preserve things. So in the first part of the verse, Lao Tzu says, those who use truth in assisting the ruler do not resort to war for the conquest of an empire. So in other words, I think what he's saying is that the sage listens to the sage's counselors, and hopefully the counselors are not encouraging the sage to use violence to achieve the the empire's aims so to speak because what happens is whenever violence on a large scale is used there's usually a lot of people suffer and not only do people suffer but resources are used in order to create the war machine and and 
just, you know, resources that would be otherwise better put to use and taking care of each other. <laughs> okay, so in the first part here, it seems that we're looking at a very high level in terms of, okay, we're talking about empires and countries and everything like that. I know that we can also look at this from a personal point of view. So as a follower, as a student, I can still encourage those around me to not use force in whatever they're doing. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical violence anymore. I'm talking about using the opposite of that force, using love and compassion and humility in our dealings with each other. And the best way to do that is by kind of setting the example. So even then on a personal level, not using force, what, you know, what is force? So, well, it could be violent communication. It could be emotional abuse. It could be verbal. Using love and compassion, or at least striving to use love and compassion in everything I do is sort of being the person who is using truth and assisting the ruler. So that's part one. Part two talks about minimizing the scarcity to preserve. Lao Tzu says, The good rulers are satisfied when an attack is stopped, and they do not venture to pursue conquest for supremacy. How this shakes out personally for me is when another person offends me somehow, whether it's bodily harm or whether it's emotional harm, verbal harm, I have this tendency to want to defend myself, to desire that, desire my own safety, and that's perfectly natural. I also have this other desire to punish the other person. Now, how would I punish the other person if not physically? I can do it verbally. I can do it emotionally. But I can also do it mentally by holding a grudge. And what we're talking about here, or at least what I think Lao Tzu is communicating to us, is look, it doesn't matter if it's on a grand scale or a small scale or an individual scale. Wanting to retaliate is what creates that scarcity, either within ourselves or with others. And we'll take a look at the first experience section. We'll understand that force begets force, death begets death. Well, the opposite is true. Love begets love and compassion begets compassion. So sometimes I need to set a boundary. Sometimes I need to defend myself. And that's okay. What I must strive to do is to stop when I have accomplished my goal, not to revel in it, not to punish the other person, to just allow it to be as it is without any extra effort on my part. And so that's what he's talking, I think, about minimizing scarcity to preserve things. Okay, so that's the verse breakdown. To wrap that up, let's remember that verse 30 has two parts to it. Part one says the use of force creates scarcity and part two says well why don't we minimize force so we can minimize scarcity so we can preserve things okay so let's put that back together I'll read verse 30 again those who use truth in assisting the ruler do not resort to war for the conquest of an empire war is a most calamitous evil Wherever armies are quartered, briars and thorns become rampant. 
Famines inevitably follow in the wake of great wars. The good rulers are satisfied when attack is stopped, and they do not venture to pursue conquest for supremacy. Victories do not make them vainglorious, aggressive, arrogant, or anxious to pursue conquest for supremacy. It is contrary to truth for the strong to do harm to the weak. Those who act contrary to truth are sure to perish early. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering setting boundaries with the Tao. The first thing is that force begets force. And the second thing that I thought about was setting boundaries with no action. Force begets force. History is full of examples that illustrate this concept. Where there is domination by one culture or another, resistance develops. A quick look through the ages will reveal that whatever continent you're on, there's always been strife and armed conflict. Some peoples have not had as much or have been dominated so much by others that they're not capable of offering resistance anymore. But the notion of retaliation might still linger in the generational consciousness. Some peoples have gracefully accepted their, quote, visitors, and in this way, have remained intact through the millennia. Beautiful India is a place where this comes to mind. In any case, we can see evidence anywhere and anytime we look that supports what Lao Tzu says in the first part of this verse, that where force is used, it brings scarcity later. Force causes more force, and it only stops when there is no more energy left to support it. I think that on a modern, international, even domestic level, we can all observe this. So the first two lines of the verse resonate. They say that any person who wants to support their leadership does the best job when they strive to support by showing them options that are in harmony with the Tao. I don't know about you, but that seems like a very tall order for any of us in 2020. Given our social systems, our social norms, given the economic strata that separate those with incredible influence from those without, how do we, as humble students of the Tao, propose to help our leaders lead not with force, but with the Tao? Gandhi told us to be the change we would want to see in the world. Initially, looking at the disparity between what I sense is the current state of things and what I desire is discouraging. How do I a small human, affect a great change, like changing an entire world order. <laughs> well, this may not be so impossible, I think. The world has seen many luminaries change things for the better. And what's interesting is these folks have made long-lasting changes on humanity as opposed to the empires to which they belonged. To name a few, I'm talking about Lao Tzu, Shuang Tzu, the Buddha, Abraham, Jesus, and Muhammad, peace be upon him. We have modern-day luminaries that gift us with a remembrance of the truth about us. Mahatma Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Wayne Dyer, Ram Das, Deepak Chopra, Paramahansa Yogananda, and Eckhart Tolle. These are just a small representative handful of people who are encouraging lasting, more powerful changes to humanity. So a quick question, are they heads of governments? 
How does their influence compare to the influence of empire or government? Because it is seemingly benign, these people and their work have largely been left intact, and it continues to shape who we are as humans as we live on Earth generation after generation. And the wonderful part of our examples is all of them needed only a connection to human spirituality and a means to express their experiences to get started and changing things, just like you. It is in the way we live our lives that we create ripple effects across our human family that, while in the moment seem insignificant, affect many more people than we think. So if we pause for a moment and consider that force begets force, can we also take its opposite and consider that compassion begets compassion, love begets love, humility begets humility? If we are the change we want to see in the world, doesn't that eventually affect people in a way that reflects back at us? Setting boundaries with no action. As I have grown, I have found that while immersed in ego-centered thoughts and decisions, I have taught people how to treat me. I have taught others that it's okay to talk to me when I don't want to be talked to. I have taught others that it's okay to interrupt me when I'm working or reading a book. I have taught others that if they ask two times, I'll give in. I have taught others how to interact with me, in short. And contrary to what I may want, I have found that people pretty much do what you teach them to do. The now me might be asking, why did you teach people to push past your comfort zone? Why would you even do that? Another me might say, man, people just keep pushing, don't they? They'll get away with whatever they can. The now me realizes that I have taught these people to treat me a certain way because there was an emotional payoff for me there. At first glance, I thought I was being nice. I said to myself, it's okay for people to invade my boundaries in space. It's what they do. And I can be compassionate about that. I can let them in just this once. Only the thing is that once you teach somebody it's okay to approach you a certain way, they don't know any better or different. How could they? So why would I do this? Well, like I said, I thought I was being compassionate, and for some reason, I grew up thinking that I was supposed to show love to another person by doing things that I didn't really want to. I've since realized that this particular aspect of relationship is what occurs sometimes when the condition of love is present. It's not a prerequisite. With my false model, I thought I was doing the right thing. But the problem was that in doing this, I continued to allow others to push past my boundaries, and each time someone did that, it hurt a little more. Wanting to keep justifying it to myself, because I didn't think I knew any better, I kept allowing it, but became bitter. And once I became bitter, my payoff was that it allowed me to feel sorry for myself for being the one who helped others. And of course, that led to depression, low self-esteem, self-sabotage, you know, it ran the gamut of ick. <laughs> At the end, it led me to a place where I had pretty much totally disconnected myself from spirituality. When I decided to stop all that and move into the opposite direction with the Tao, I began to grow. I realized that I was actually hurting myself by allowing others to invade my boundaries. So at some point, I needed to create boundaries and establish them. I needed to begin teaching others that it wasn't okay anymore, that no actually meant no. And you know what? In most cases, 
I found other people to be quite willing to respect that, which was crazy to me. I thought that setting boundaries was going to create all this drama and I was going to feel like a bad person that everyone was going to be talking smack about me. In fact, the opposite happened. Most people respected that. There was no drama and I gained a priceless thing, self-respect. I learned one of the most valuable lessons in my life. It's okay to say no to people and things. And the people who did create drama around me setting my boundaries? I realized that they had been using me the whole time to get what they wanted out of me. And that there never really was a relationship there in the first place. So what's all this have to do with the verse today? Lao is telling us in the first part that force is something to be avoided because it reflects and turns on the wielder. And the second part... He's saying that violent defense is something that should be employed when it is the only choice. So, we said that in order to help our leaders follow the Tao, the best thing for us to do is to be the change we want to see. And in employing defense, we have concentrated on setting personal boundaries. So here's the thing about boundaries. It's relatively easy to set them. Most of the time, setting boundaries means having a conversation with the invading person. If we can manage to have that conversation in a loving and compassionate way, we are in harmony with the Tao. And most of the time, that's all we need to do. But what about the times when we need to reset the boundary because someone has decided it's okay to cross it? What about the times when someone decides that they aren't going to respect the boundary we've set? I think in those cases is where this verse is especially relevant. For the first case, I can remember that People must be reminded once in a while of what's okay with me and what's not. And that's just a part of a relationship. People forget stuff. Admittedly, I sometimes feel like I shouldn't have to keep repeating myself, but I find that the folks who are genuinely interested in a relationship with me are willing. I just need a reminder once in a while, and I can provide that reminder without resentment or hesitation. The next case usually stirs up a bit of anxiety inside of me. Like, when I tell somebody no, or I set a boundary and they disregarded and invade anyway, it would seem in this case that I am powerless over that other person's actions, wouldn't it? Well, I would be correct in realizing that. But what I might be forgetting is that I am not powerless over my actions, am I? Sometimes, a person crosses boundaries I've set, and I keep engaging with them. Like, they do the thing, and I'll say, hey, you did that thing, and they said, eh, that's okay, I don't care. And then I'll keep talking with them. My actions in this case, me continuing to engage with the person, is what is teaching them that it's okay to keep crossing the lines. In short, I am allowing it. At this point, I may want to retaliate and cause harm to the other person, either emotionally, verbally, or physically. I think that violence is the answer to this particular situation because it's clear that the other person will continue to cross the line without my intervention. There is something that I am forgetting, however. In reacting and providing stimulus in the form of verbal, emotional, or physical violence, I am still engaging. Perhaps I could consider what non-engagement looks like. Does it mean cutting off the person entirely? Or does it mean simply not engaging when the line is crossed? I don't know. I suppose it's different for each situation. In any case, I feel it's important to acknowledge that despite the other person's actions, I still always have a choice. Respond to the offense either in or out 
of harmony with the Tao. So I think the main takeaway for me in this verse is that if I am to grow, I will need to discontinue teaching others. It's okay to cross boundaries that I'm establishing for myself. Most of the time, people respect that. A few times, folks will need to be reminded. And there are times when I need to enforce those boundaries. Shall I do it with any form of violence? Should I allow myself to be anxious about doing that? Or can I simply take no internal action and disengage with a person or situation, whatever that looks like? Lao Tzu does not necessarily prescribe that, not, that violence is never the answer. I don't think you'll find that anywhere in the Tao Te Ching. Sometimes violence can't be helped. It is in our attitude and using and allowing the violence to stop as soon as we can that makes the difference. So to wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering setting boundaries with the Tao, I thought about two things. Number one, that force begets force. And two, I can set boundaries with no action. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of setting boundaries with a Tao in this verse today. First thing we can do is to practice observing reflection. The second thing we can do is to practice setting boundaries efficiently. As we go about our days, whether they are routine or always changing, remember there's one thing that does stay the same, the Tao and how it works in you. Sometimes I can try repeating to myself, centered, centered, centered. And I can do this while I'm sitting in meditation, walking in the street, maybe even driving. I found that when I consciously apply a mantra, if you will, that I can override those negative thought patterns that seem to bubble up from my subconscious. So I'd like to practice this first with you from a centered place. Remember we talked about staying close to the baggage wagons in verse 26? If we could start there, we can remind ourselves to be in a place of centeredness. From there, we can observe our reflection in others. So I'd like you to practice smiling at others today and observing what they do. Do they do it automatically? Do they do it willingly? At home, what does a kind word to your loved ones do? Or just a tender moment that you initiate? Just observe the effect that this has on people around you. And what about at work? How does a compliment out of the blue from you to a coworker seem to make them feel? Can you quietly observe your words affecting the other person? Do they smile a little? Maybe carry that feeling forward into their work? And with friends, we're used to getting along, aren't we? What if you invited someone else to join your group in a welcoming way? How do you think that can make that other person feel? Could you help them feel accepted? Loved? And what might that do to their families or their workplace and with their other friends? We can observe this idea that love begets love just as easily as force begets force. You can observe others in the world not being so nice to each other, can't you? You might observe the impact that has on others around them, too. Remember that we play both parts sometimes. Sometimes we emanate love. 
And sometimes we emanate negative feelings. Remember that if at any time you feel you are being made to feel a certain way, that perhaps you indirectly emanated what you might be feeling in the moment. For example, when my wife is grouchy with me, the first thing I must do is ask myself honestly, did I have anything to do with this? And if the answer is honestly no, then the next step is to ask, how can I show her compassion and love? How can I emanate love? Okay, now let's melt into setting boundaries efficiently. Perhaps I've had nothing to do with another's foul mood, and despite my efforts to show compassion, it is not improving things. We're humans after all, and sometimes we simply don't pick up on the love and kindness that is all around us. When someone has committed an offense against me, I have a couple of automatic thoughts, sometimes in this order. Number one is, how dare they? Number two, I need to stand up for myself. And then number three, they must be punished. So the first thought seems to stem from indignation. In this instance, I cannot believe that someone would do a thing to me. Think back to a time when someone deliberately opposed you or stepped on your toes. Can you sense a feeling of wounded pride there? And I'd like us to consider what this would look like if we didn't have our pride to worry about. Instead of feeling violated and like something has been unfair, can we just acknowledge what happened and decide if we need to do something about it? Without feeling incredulous? The second thought that I'll have then becomes more clear. Is there something I need to do here for myself and my loved ones that prevents this situation from happening again? I can ask myself, absent pride, is there a situation to which I must respond that will prevent injury to myself or family? If the answer is yes, I like to sit quietly in meditation and request the Tao to show me a correct course of action. The answer comes either in meditation or later in the day. Now let's look at the third thought. After considering whether or not I must take action, I ask myself, am I using the right tools and pressure to counteract this offense? Or am I overdoing it because I want to punish the other party? If, once again, I can remove that sense of wounded pride, I find that I can address the situation appropriately. This process can be challenging for sure. And doing it would seem to run counter to what I've been taught about how to deal with others when they're encroaching. If I'm to follow the way, I do have other options, however. In this verse, notice how Lao Tzu isn't saying that we should just let other people take our stuff. He says that we can be in harmony with the Tao if we go about it by first asking if there's a nonviolent way. I like to pause here and check my own motives. Did I create a situation where the other person is offending me? Then he advises, if we must respond, we do so in a calculated, humble way that minimizes both short-term and long-term damage. I like to see how I might handle this situation that respects me and my loved ones while still using the minimum amount of action. 
So that'll wrap it up today. To consider the principle of setting boundaries with a DAO, I can do two things. One, I can practice observing reflection. And two, I can practice setting boundaries efficiently. close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 30 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Cheng Lin. Those who use truth in assisting the ruler do not resort to war for the conquest of an empire. War is a most calamitous evil. Wherever armies are quartered, briars and thorns become rampant. Famines inevitably follow in the wake of great wars. The good rulers are satisfied when an attack is stopped, and they do not venture to pursue conquest for supremacy. Victories do not make them vainglorious, aggressive, arrogant, or anxious to pursue conquest for supremacy. It is contrary to truth for the strong to do harm to the weak. Those who act contrary to truth are sure to perish early. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.